0: Your
1: hosts of the Shock Therapy Podcast, Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfons. What's up, Zach? How's the Super Bowl? What'd you guys end up doing for the Super Bowl, man? Well,
0: I ended up going just down to SAC, um, met up with an old buddy from college, uh, and he had some friends out there, and just a couple of us watched the game. I, I was just so excited for a competitive football game after the last two Super Bowls had just been complete blowouts over by the first quarter. It was fun to see a good competitive football game in the Super Bowl coming down to the wire. Uh, I loved every minute of it. The halftime show I thought was phenomenal. Uh, and I'm just having a good time. So riding the highs from the Super Bowl Sunday.
1: It was, it was a really good game. It was back and forth. You had some good defense. You had some good yeah. offense. Jalen Ramsey got smoked multiple times. He made his fair share of plays. But at he the did. same time, I think Jamar Chase won that matchup.
0: Well, and it's like one of those things, I think you can go back and forth, you know, Jalen actually won the game, but I would say Jamar won the battle. That was one of, I think going in, I think everyone had their eyes set on that matchup and it did not disappoint. Um, Both guys made some tremendous plays. Both guys had some plays that, you know, didn't, that, that one play where Jamar Chase had completely burnt Ramsey. Um, but the pass rush just got to Joe Burrow too quick and he couldn't get rid of it. That was going to be the like... The final s- play of the game? Yeah, that could have been just...
1: Yeah, it. that would have been the biggest momentum shift ever because Ramsey fell down. He fell. And Aaron Donald went and got to him, right? Like, he got to Joe Burrow. But Jamar Chase was at least 10 yards behind him just sitting there like, I'm about to win the game. I beat my men. And then you got Aaron Donald who made may retire i had no idea he was potentially going to retire
0: he said that at the like i i think i just heard that right before the game started i don't know i feel like that was to give him some like i don't know cushion in case they did lose that game because like we were saying before the rams had no excuse going all in to lose that game Uh, maybe it was just to give him like a little bit of buffer like if he did lose he's like just kidding i'm coming back but i don't know it's super confusing the guys at the in the prime of his career absolutely i mean he's like dominating. old he's old I, the I body's he's-
1: probably like you know you get you're seeing a lot more players already have the bag they already got the money yeah. and they're getting to a point where the mental health is now like a, a part of the game like it, it 10 years ago 15 years ago it wasn't as important because people weren't talking about it as much right and these yeah. players, they were still getting paid lots of money. But, I mean, Aaron Donald's made $100 million in his career already. So it's like, you know, are you playing for the paycheck anymore? Are you playing because you love the game? Or, you know, are yeah. you able to just retire, 30 years old, knowing that you're going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Doesn't he have to put any more time in to play the game? And, well, you know, and- how much do you does he want to just spend time with his family, spend time with his kids, I mean, it's a it's a grueling schedule.
0: Well, and just listening to you talk just then, what else can that guy do? You know, he would need to win another Super Bowl for him to be happy. So it's like maybe you just go out on top, king kings of the world. It's like, what else does that guy have to prove? Because he's done it all.
1: Do you still have of the fire? That's what it right. comes down to. Do you still have the fire to play to, to beat yourself up for six months out of the year? It's growing. Eight months out of the year if you take into account training camp and then the postseason. I mean, it's a long season. You know, I, I'm just doing my schoolwork like three hours a day, and I'm just exhausted from that. Like for, but, for, for them to have to do that mental watching film all day, every day, working out um you know it's it's one of those things where it's like being able to retire early is never a bad thing in any type of career
0: no and I think the big thing right now is there's so much opportunity after football for these guys that wasn't really accessible five ten years ago um you know the podcasts are taking off uh and it seems like everybody who who wants to could get a shot broadcasting if they have you know profile name like anybody would like an Aaron Donald on a, you know, a talk show, you know, group. I would listen to the guy talk. He knows, he knows football. He's a premier player. So I think there's a lot more opportunities for guys. You know, it's not just, I'm a football player. I have nothing else to do. There's life after the NFL now. And I think guys are open, you know, seeing the light. You could only put yourself through that for so long. It has to take a toll mentally, physically, and I think, yeah, you're seeing a lot of guys want to go spend more time with their family because they have only been dedicated to their craft up until this point. To get to the NFL, you have to be 24-7, 360 days of the year football. You get five days off. I'll give you five days off.
1: <laughs> uh, Eric Weddle still trashing on on Tom Telesco even after yeah. the fact. And it sucks because it's like uh, – like, Tom Telesco just, heard that and was like, I don't care, dude. Like, you know what I mean? And it's just kind of ridiculous. Like, look, we get your point. You're you're yeah. still salty about it. But, I mean, I just, I what, 25 years from now when Eric Whittle finally gets into the Hall of Fame, is he going to call out Tom Telesco he in will. the Hall of Fame speech? Like,
0: he must. <laughs> like, I, I'm so sad because it, I just don't think that that guy will ever be happy. Right? He just won a Super Bowl. And at the you know peak of your life you still have to go and sh- send shade to a team that doesn't care anymore like it we are yeah. we are past this point i really like the player the what he did for the chargers he was an incredible player one of my favorite football players to watch all time this is so trauma it, it's so sad to see this back and forth cuz it doesn't matter there's only it's one guy that it affects it's, it's one not guy. a back and forth. it's one guy it's talking one to guy. a wall it's yeah Come on, and Eric. I just,
1: you know, you have to really look at it because he played with a torn pictorial. Did you see like the bruising around his arm and everything yeah. afterwards? You know, like it was really great to see him come back and get his opportunity, an opportunity he probably shouldn't have gotten. No other players getting that call two years after they retire. Well, I um, forgot
0: that I, he was on the Super Bowl run the last time. I t- yeah. totally forgot that he was part of that team.
1: So I'm happy that that he got his ring. I'm I'm excited for the guy. Uh, yeah. Kind of a crazy situation overall, but I mean it doesn't diminish his success and all the things he did in his career. He's just being even. just being kind of an idiot, talking a little too much. But it is what it is. The Chargers' offensive line coach Frank Smith was hired as the offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Chargers have already moved to replace him with Brandon Nugent. Uh, who is the offensive line for the Saints. The Saints are going through a, a big transition right now. Uh, they lost their head coach of the past 20 years, uh, and they replaced him with their own defensive coordinator. But overall, with all the cap issues over the years, this team is going to be offloading talent. And looks like they're going in for uh, a pretty big rebuild. They don't have a, a, a legit quarterback there. So I could see why Brendan Nugent wanted to leave uh, and to come coach with Vince uh, uh, Lombardi, Joe Lombardi. Uh, so Brendan Nugent has 16 years of coaching experience. He joined the Saints in 2015 and was a first year offensive line coach for them last season. Uh, he also worked as a run game coordinator in tight ends uh, with Dan Roshar in tutoring the New Orleans front offense in 2016. Uh, he's been an assistant with the offensive line most most of his career there with New Orleans. Um He spent some time in high school coaching. Uh, He was with William and Mary from 2007 to 2011, the Montreal All-Lutes in 2012, and then he was an assistant with the Chicago Bears from 2013 to 2014. Um, Like I said, this really just goes back to uh, his familiarity with Joe Lombardi, who's the offensive coordinator for us, Uh, but losing Frank Smith – should not be overshadowed. That That's a huge miss. I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit about what Joe, uh, sorry, what Frank Smith meant to this uh, offensive line.
0: He was huge. I mean, it, without Frank Smith, with all of the new faces we had on the offensive line, right, everybody brand new, we are not that successful without Frank Smith. On top of that, I think Austin Eckler has always stepped on as a runner between the tackles. He had his best year of his career running the football. Frank Smith is huge on that. It's, it's well-deserved for him. I think the silver lining for that is that all of the offensive linemen are coming back, so there's cohesiveness from the player standpoint. Also, Nugent and Lombardi are familiar. I really think we're going all in on this, you know, Saints offense of the Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. Like, we want to mirror that. Uh, it's very exciting because we have the talent to do so it's different to say hey we're going to try to match this type of offense uh not have the pieces I think we have the pieces um and it's going to really be cool to to see that take place I'm excited for Nugent bummer that Frank Smith has left but he he well he's well deserving of that shot and opportunity
1: yeah I'm I'm not really too excited about losing Frank Smith like you said like I I feel like the cohesiveness of this offensive line, especially on the left side. And even if you take a look at the work that he did do with what pieces he had on the right side of the offensive line, he did a phenomenal job. He's been working his way up toward this for a a little while now, uh, moving all the way over from, from the Raiders and and improving that offensive line, which was just phenomenal Um, over his time with the chargers and with the Raiders. I mean, he's very well respected and he was going to be sought out for this, type of position very soon. Uh, so it's it only took a matter of time before he ended up getting that opportunity.
0: Well um, and it, we could blame our offensive line and Els Neckler for having phenomenal seasons for him being on the, yeah, on the way Exactly. Out. If we had the mediocre
1: not, year, who knows? He'd probably be back. So let's go. So we're going to be talking a little bit about running backs this episode in the draft. Um I was thinking about talking about quarterbacks, but let's be honest here: we're really not in the market for even a late-round quarterback, considering we still have Easton Sick on the roster, considering we have the stud quarterback under center that we do. Um, mm-hmm. I it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to talk about something that we're probably not going to address in any way, shape, or form. I, I don't know if of you
0: want to. All I'm going to say is, is this is just a very. Underwhelming group of quarterbacks coming into the league. I, I'm really not excited about any of them. I think they're well, they're just a lot, a lot of question marks there at a premier position. I think you're looking at you know mediocre to bottom tier starters and a bunch of journeyman backup quarterback types. I, I don't, I, w- I just don't see any franchise building blocks here.
1: I, I do. It is a little interesting this year quarterback wise because this is going to be the first year where a quarterback doesn't go top five no. because they're, the, none of these players really should even be looked at until the back half of the first round. Really, a lot of them will probably start coming off in the second round. I know a, a quarterback-needy team like the Washington Commanders are going to go and reach for a quarterback because they have
0: to. They have to.
1: They have to, but none of these quarterbacks really fit like nobody steps out and is like, I'm the best. Like, you know, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, like all those guys were easily seen as, as really high potential type of guys, but we have a lot of Case Keenums in this (laughs) draft and that's kind of how it feels. So they're all developmental type projects, which would have been like great for like a, a, a Saints team two years ago, three years ago when, when they weren't going to be taking quarterback first round because they were all in, but they could potentially take that second round quarterback. Um, it, it'll be very, it'll be very interesting to see which teams reach for quarterbacks in this draft class because I think a reach is going to be in the mid rounds. Yeah, uh, well, I, I
0: think honestly, it's gonna. I feel like all of these guys are reaches just because of every co- every one of these guys comes with asterisks. There's no. Yeah, it's a very, very low ceiling for this whole, whole quarterback draft class in general. Um, and I'm just not excited to get into any of these guys' tape. Nobody's jumping out of the, you know, no one's jumping out at me.
1: Right, I got you. So we will be going over uh, running backs this episode. I feel like that's just appropriate, but I will just kind of throw out the names of the quarterbacks real quick. So you got Matt Corral from Mississippi. Sam Howell from North Carolina, Kenny Pickett from Pitt, Bleak Willis from Liberty, Carson Strong from Nevada, and then that the final quarterback that's kind of in that tier, Desmond Ritter. All of them have issues. All of them likely would could be taken first. Some of them could be taken toward, you know, third or fourth or fifth rounds. It's it's really just wavy with how the NFL views these quarterbacks. Uh, but Going over into running backs, I'll let you take the first shot. At running backs, who's the first running back you want to talk about in this upcoming NFL draft?
0: So for me, I am just super impressed with Brees Hall from Iowa State. And when you look at him out of the rest of the running backs in this class, he's easily had the most productive collegiate career. When you look at the you know all encompassing the whole thing, um, I think you can debate pretty you know i think you can make a fair argument for any of the top four guys as the legit de facto running back one in this class but you can't debate who had the flashiest collegiate career and that's hall he's just a huge big play waiting to happen and a lot of analysts thought he could have been considered rb1 last year after he led the nation in rushing yards as a sophomore in 2020 he ran for a thousand five hundred and seventy two yards decided to come back again in 2021 and he finished as the eighth best rusher in the nation this past year with 1,472 yards on about 20 less carries. So the the average was there. He didn't quite hit that mark, but he's just built with a natural nose for the end zone. All the dude does is score touchdowns. He finished with 56 total out of his three uh, collegiate seasons. He had 23 in 2020. He matched that number again in 2021. That is 46 touchdowns in just two seasons. He's absolutely ridiculous. He set an FBS record for consecutive games with a rushing touchdown at 24 that's every single game for the past two years he's been in college he's finished with at least one touchdown because of it he's a two-time all-american he's a two-time big 12 offensive player of the year for me i think his, his biggest strength is his patience he's just a super patient runner and he's never in a hurry. He, he has fantastic vision, and he, he trusts in it. He lets things develop in front of him. And why I like Hall over guys like Kelly or Roundtree, who we currently have, I think all three are very patient runners in their style, but Hall has them beat with his decisiveness. Holes in the running game, especially at the NFL level, they're only open for a split second. So a lot of the time, these running backs have to anticipate those holes opening up, and I think that's Hall's best trait. He rarely makes the wrong decision. And when he, once he makes his cut, you need to watch out. He's not a dancer. He's not a guy who likes to juke you out of your cleats, but he's very he's subtly very elusive. So he's going to make you just, just get you off balance so he can run through an arm tackle. Uh, he has plus balance, deceptive speed for being that big. I think he's, he's 6'1", 215, 220, depending on what site you want to look at. And you know, as much as I, I really like the guy, I think you do have to consider his durability at the next level. Carried the ball 718 times over the last three years. That's a lot of touches. Um that's
1: not even so including receptions out of the backfield. That's, he had another 82.
0: He had another yeah. 82 in the in the passing game as well. So that's a lot of miles for a guy you're probably gonna have to at least take in the second round. Um, if he falls through if he falls through the first, there's some talk that he could go in the 30s to 32s, but He's never had any major injuries, and he's a tough guy. He's played through the minor stuff. Um, I think his probably his biggest knock is, from and why he's not being considered a traditional three-down back, is his lack of elite route-running ability. But I just think that's a little unfair. Um, He wasn't asked to run super complex routes out of the backfield, but he was effective when he did get his targets. I think on top of that, we don't need an elite route-runner. Technician out of the backfield, we have that in Eckler. So I'd super be I'd be really willing to take a chance on a guy like Brees Hall. Um, and I th- I think what he could potentially add to this running back room far exceeds his you know potential concerns.
1: I got you. My favorite running back in my class, in, in this class for me is Kyron Williams, Notre Dame. I I love this kid. You've been talking for he a while. Is, he is so good and he's so fun to watch. He's a <laughs> he's a smaller back, don't get me wrong. He's five nine. 195, 200 pounds right around there. Uh, But overall, if you look at his tape, especially in 2020, when his offensive line was really, really good, he was really special there. Uh, He had 1,100 yards, uh, 5.3-yard average, 13 touchdowns. But he also gets it done through the air, where he had 35 receptions for 313 yards and a touchdown. Uh, He kind of came down off those numbers just a little bit, ran for just under 1,000 yards. 15 touchdowns, 42 receptions, three TDs. What he what makes this guy is so special though is he's so twitchy and he's so twitchy and shifty in the backfield. See so he's got such great vision and patience, uh super good at change of direction. He understands kind of where that hidden yardage is. So if he needs to go and like split two tacklers versus like he's he's just gonna like fall forward for those extra yards. Um He's fast. He's sudden to hit the hole, and, and he's able to get the edge on the defense. Uh, I've never seen him caught from behind. He's probably going to be right around like a four, four, five type of guy. I'd love to see him see if he can end up getting into the four threes. Um, but I, I'd expect his agility to be just outright ridiculous when he hits the combine here in two weeks. Um, but you know, even for like a younger guy, like he runs through contact. If defenders don't wrap up, he's got tremendous contact balance. He just has a knack for just staying on his feet. And it's kind of impressive to watch when you're watching his film. Uh, he can transition his speed to power. Like I said, he's a light back, but for him to be able to turn his speed into power, he can kind of make up for his size a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's more of like a secondary move for him, the whole power thing, because He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he'd rather leap out of like contact and get the yardage hidden there that way than kind of just drive in, um, which is fine given his size disadvantage. Um, he makes defenders pay in over pursuit. Uh, his ability to set up defenders and set up his blocks and and be able to find the momentum—it's um, it's really mom- it's really just overall impressive uh, his ability to make guys miss. But then, like if you get him into space, like super super dangerous. He's going to be super deadly in the screen game, catching passes out of the backfield. Uh, Something that really goes unnoticed also is he's exceptional as a pass blocker. He he is not afraid of contact at all. To see a a 200-pound back just go and take out the knees of a a 240-pound rushing linebacker who's coming into the A-gap, like he has no fear whatsoever at taking on guys 30, 40, 50 pounds bigger than he is. It's, it's just insane to think. think. Um, overall, he's just like a really exceptional athlete. And he's actually really similar in his play style to Austin Eckler. Um, you know, kind of that smaller back who plays much bigger than his size. Uh, he's sudden. Like I said, man, he's like my favorite back in this draft. I've had no problems at all taking this guy in the second round because having like a back like Austin Eckler and then another identical back just mm-hmm. like him, I mean, you could imagine like putting Austin Eckler into the slot or splitting them out rat- wide, and then putting this guy in the backfield, or vice versa, or having them both right next to each other and and running, you know, a, a, a misdirection one side with a screen to the other back the other direction. Like it's it gives you so many options. I think he's so good. Um, I, I I love this kid.
0: All right. That that would be elite just to have two of those guys. Uh, Imagine the, having the two options. Austin Ecklers. Well, that's what getting me so excited about a, a potential, you know, Cordell Patterson coming into it. Well, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves, I guess. We're going back to my number two guy. I really like when I turned on the tape and saw Kenneth Walker the third play. He's just an angry, angry running back. Um, I think you. You have to take into account he played two very mediocre years at Wake Forest um, where he, he he has said he believes he was underutilized and not given the opportunity to showcase his full arsenal. And I kind of believe it because this past season he transferred to Michigan State and he just put together an absolute monster year. 1,735 total yards from scrimmage, 19 touchdowns, all on his way to being named Doak Walker Award winner given to the nation's top running back. He finished sixth in the Heisman voting um, and just had every college football fan watching at the edge of their seats, knowing that when the ball is in his hands, he has a chance to make special things happen. The guy is must-watch TV. He's absolutely electric. He has short area burst with an insane agility. His lateral quickness is just something that completely jumps out at you when you turn on his tape. He can put people in a blender with his spin move. He has a great jump cut. And the reason why this guy is so fun to watch his tape legit looks like a Madden highlight reel. The way that he can make these moves at full speed and somehow doesn't give up any momentum. His acceleration is video game like maxed out all the way. He's probably one of the most elusive backs in his class and he paces every running back entering the draft this year in tackles avoided per attempt at 33.1%. That's the percentage of his touches that he res- he physically makes someone miss. That's absolutely insane on top of that he's a very powerful guy he could finish runs you've seen him drag defenders or you could push piles the dude is very very hard to bring down his career 4.46 yards after contact per attempt very very enticing when you think about complementing his skill set to a guy like Eckler you know a guy he Walker just runs so angry I said it before and he's looking to finish his defenders he'd be such an awesome addition to just take a carry here or there because his playing style is one that's just going to knock the wind out of a defense. With Walker, I think his his biggest worry is maybe he is just a one-year wonder. I mentioned he did not play well in his first two seasons. His career at Wake Forest, he only had 1,205 yards over two seasons. That's mediocre if we're going to be nice. But as one-year wonders go, I don't know if you could be much more wondrous than what Kenneth Walker just put together. He has a legit chance to house the ball from anywhere on the field for multiple alignments. Cause they move them around over there in Michigan state. And the big play potential from this guy is just too enticing to pass on. He had a 58 yard touchdown run against Michigan this last year, a 75 yard run against Northwestern and a 94 yard house call against Rutgers. The guy can score from anywhere. Um, and, and I just think there's a lot to like about this guy. I, I'm really high on Kenneth Walker, the third.
1: All right, I'll talk about Jerome Ford, Cincinnati running back, 5'11", 210 pounds. So Ford had originally played at Alabama, uh, but he found himself kind of buried in a running back room behind Josh Jacobs, Najee Harris, Damien Harris, Brian Robinson Jr. Like he he had a real hard time kind of carving out his own role there uh, behind just so many good backs there at Alabama. And he was just never able to move up the depth chart. And he ended up transferring to Cincinnati as a result. Uh, where he sat behind Gerard uh before becoming a first full time starter this year, so he doesn't really have a whole lot of experience actually playing in games because of that. Uh, Ford's got like straight line speed; that's kind of like his thing. Is once he he finds a hole, he takes off and he does not get caught. Um, his game is just seems to be all reach max reach max speed, lower your shoulder and just plow. Like that's his game. That's, that's who fine. he is. That's who he knows who he is. Um, he's just a contact runner. He's going to be a really effective as a short yardage back. I just don't believe that there's much more to take from his game than that. Um, he's just kind of a true one cut back, find a lane, hit it. And, and then if it's a track meet, you're going to win. Uh, he does have some good hands catching out of the backfield. But for whatever reason, doesn't feel or look fluid or natural to him. Uh, he seems to find issues like being the dump-up option and just finding your spot in between the zones. Uh, a lot of backs they'll they'll take uh, they'll fake the handoff and they'll sit you know five yards in front of the linebacker, kind of in between both linebackers. And he seems to like run into the linebacker and just turn around, uh, which you know you can. I'd like to see him split defenders more often than not. That way he's, you know, Jerome Ford's not um, not just setting himself up to get hit right away, gives himself a little bit of wiggle room to go and figure out how to do something else with that. Um, and he just he, – he really – I just, he doesn't feel like he's ever going to turn into like a true receiver out of the backfield. Just doesn't come very natural to him. And I feel like it's an agility issue because that's not something that he has in his game. Like I said, he's got the straight line speed, but he's not a very agile guy. Um, many like his ability as a personal protector. I've been reading a lot of scouting reports, but looking at the film that I saw, since um, and I did have him block often and quite a bit, they, they even used him as like a lead blocker in quarterback design runs uh, for Desmond Ritter. Um, he has a size, he has a strength to take on those blocks, but there's multiple examples of him just whiffing or missing reads entirely and letting his quarterback get hit by, by an edge defender that he was supposed to chip that he let loose or whatever it may be. Um, if he hits his mark, it's, it's impactful and it's heavy. Uh, other times he's, he's, I don't know if he's just being a little lazy with it and he just seems to to get caught off balance or is not expecting the hit. Um, I, I I really don't like his ability as a, a personal protector or as a lead blocker. Uh, I just don't think that he's very good at it. It's something he might be able to, to develop later on. I do think that he'd be an upgrade over Kelly or Roundtree, but I don't think that the disparity in talent between them and him is all that wide, in my opinion. I, I guess he could be like Eckler's running mate and give you that different change of pace back to play between the tackles but ultimately I I just see too much of Joshua Kelly in him because I I see similarities there you know a a guy that's going to take some while a while to develop Uh, he's going to get caught in the backfield more more too often Uh, he's kind of a little indecisive as a runner I I just don't like Jerome Ford quite as much as some other prospects do he'll probably end up going in the you know fourth round maybe fifth round area Um, but there's nothing about his game that I think is all that special, especially when you look at the fact that he wasn't able to break into some kind of meaningful role at Alabama behind those backs who went in the third and fourth rounds.
0: Yeah. I think that's pretty fair, fair analysis. Um, Moving down my list, this is definitely the least physical running back that I'm going to talk about uh, out of this list, but I I still think he's a phenomenal prospect and that's Ty Chandler from UNC. Uh, We're talking about speed. This guy has it in bunches. His ability to just upshift into another gear once he reaches the second level is, is nothing less than impressive. He And then he offers legit dual threat capability. He's, he's a very streaky player, um, and his inconsistencies are no doubt going to hurt his draft stock. But his receiving ability it was a part of his game that really shined in mobile, um, also throughout the Shrine Bowl practices as well. Chandler didn't actually compete in the the senior bowl game itself, but he did attend a couple practices. And during those sessions, he consistently burnt his one-on-one matchups and receiving drills. And on top of that, he has the talent and the willingness to hang in there and bang in pass protection. Not everybody can once or has the ability to be able to do that. I think he's a, a, he's a plus pass protector as well. And he's a very well-rounded prospect. It's hard to find any glaring weaknesses in his game. I, I think if there is one thing, uh, he's a very tall runner, um, and I think he'd be much more effective as a ball carrier if he figures out how to lower that pad level. That is a thing that is super coachable. And as an athlete, I think uh, Ty Chandler, he, he has some very promising tools as an athlete. Now, out of the guys I'm talking about, he is probably most similar to Eckler from a style standpoint. And so I think it would make sense as a mid-round pick, take a chance on Chandler. Definitely not the brute that I would prefer but his style is very capable. He's still a very capable ball carrier. He's a guy who has very similar skill set to Eckler, someone kind of like Kyron Williams. Um, so the offense won't be missing as much whenever you know Eckler leaves the game for a breather. I think this route makes a lot of sense um, if the team does want to continue to further develop Kelly or Roundtree. I per- and who knows? They were high draft picks. Um, I-, I could definitely see the team wanting to put a little more time and effort into developing them. If they wanted to do that, I think Ty Chandler would be an awesome addition to that backfield.
2: Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.
1: I'll, uh, I'll talk about Isaiah Spiller, the Texas A&M running back, 6'1", 225 pounds. When I was watching his film, I just saw Melvin Gordon, like split image. Like He is that back. He's got that size. He's got that attitude. The one thing about Isaiah Spiller uh, that Melvin Gordon never had was the ability to, to cut and, and get loose out in space. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got really choppy feet, and that and I say that as a good thing because his feet are always moving, and he's always looking to cut or move whichever direction. If he doesn't have that ability in space, he just plows through you. Uh, It'd be very
0: annoying to have him live on top of you in an apartment.
1: Oh my gosh, it would. Absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, I I really just like his play style overall because when he needs to be aggressive, he's aggressive. When he needs to cut, he cuts. Uh, And he was extremely, extremely productive while he was at Texas A&M all three years. He he was Mm -hmm. their lead back and he had tremendous, tremendous success. Um, I didn't watch a whole lot of his film, but I just remember watching him thinking, man, this guy is so much like Melvin Gordon overall and many pundits have him as a second round pick many guys have him as the top back in this draft there is no consensus number one back there is no Najee harris uh there is no no you know melvin gordon or or any of those guys in this class um, he's probably going to go in the second round uh i i if you like that austin eckler melvin gordon matchup again if you if you want that tandem again this gives you that tandem uh, he does have issues fumbling the ball uh, from what I had seen from the number of uh, fumbles that he had throughout his career. Uh, but he does give you that power back that you know is going to turn out those yards Oh, By the way, exceptional catching Kes- passes out of the backfield and he's a willing run blocker, uh, pass protector, however you want to call it. So he he offers a lot, probably going to go a lot early and the chargers are looking to draft a running back. Um, but We'll see. It's a, it's a really deep running back class, so a lot of teams may, may want to push this and kick this can further down the road in the draft.
0: All right. Well, sticking with the, you know, theme of power backs, um, I really like the tape from Tyler Algier from BYU. And at 5'11", 220 pounds, the guy is a freight train. He's a very, very hard guy to tackle and take to the ground and someone who's always looking for contact. You know, to say this guy is a physical player, is an understatement and a half. A very thick frame combined with some very great balance and he's exactly the type of guy who just sucks the life out of a defense over the course of four quarters. Uh, the first thing that stands out about Algier's tape is unlike Ty Chandler like I mentioned right before, Algier is always running with a strong, very strong forward lean, and he's a guy I rarely ever saw get knocked backward. If we're talking about guys who trying to Turn out extra yards. He's a guy that does it at a premier level. He's also extremely durable. He's only missed one game in two seasons since becoming the premier back at BYU. This past season, he saw 304 total touches. Without missing a beat, he exploded for 1,800 scrimmage yards and also added 23 touchdowns. So Apparently, he used to run a 4-4 in high school, but if that's true, honestly, the game speed really doesn't translate on tape. He's not the most elusive guy, but he's a pure north North South runner, and something I think the Chargers roster would benefit tremendously from adding. On his, the best play of his career, in my opinion, was actually a defensive play uh, against Arizona State earlier this year, where the BYU's quarterback just threw an interception, horrible pass, um, and from ten yards back, Algier not only tracks this guy down, but he jumps over the defender and punches the ball out from behind, and the Cougars were able to recover. They held on to hand ASU their first loss of the season that year. Um, and it's just a phenomenal effort play that I think just speaks to the guy's character. He just wants to win. He's a ball player. He's not a guy who's going to take a play off. And that's something I love to see um, from a prospect that I I'm considering drafting.
1: I'll, uh, I'll talk about Max Borgie. So Max Borgie played at Washington state 5'10", 205 pound running back. He, he really only had two successful seasons while at Washington State. Um, as a sophomore, he averaged 6.4 yards per rush, 817 yards total on the ground, 11 touchdowns. What you saw from him as a sophomore that got a lot of people on his radar is he had 86 receptions for about mm-hmm. 600 yards and five touchdowns. That is a lot of receptions out of the backfield for any running back anywhere. I mean, the, the year Austin Eckler had like that tremendous year of receiving, he had like 90 receptions that season. He did this in just 10 games, not 16. So that's, that's just insane. insane to think about how many, how much he was targeted as a sophomore. As a junior, he injured his left wrist like the first game and was out the rest of the season. Um, he came back for his senior season last year and was productive. But less so than he was as a sophomore, especially through the air. He only had 16 receptions. He was available every game, so there is a huge drop off from that 86 down. But on the ground, it was almost identical. Uh, he's kind of confusing to watch, right? Like he's he's definitely a playmaker playing on a team with really subpart subpar talent. You're, you're talking about Washington State. Uh, the Pac-12 overall has been down for a little while. If you're not Oregon, I mean, just take a look at USC but he, he has some ability to make his own plays. He likes to use like the stiff arm as his like first go move. Uh, his ability to break tackles is kind of sporadic. Uh, he has the ability to make some defenders miss, but it, it's just kind of inconsistent. And he, he, he misses opportunities that he has available to him. Uh, he has a tendency to bounce when he probably shouldn't very indecisive. Uh, decision-making is just really just spotty at best. And his feet really aren't fluid. Um, he played extremely well catching out of pass all those passes, you know, three seasons ago, but he just hasn't been utilized the same since. And it makes me wonder like, why, what, what is this issue? Uh, it's funny. He was actually named to the the watch list for the Doak Walker award for the nation's best running back. And then then also the Blitnikoff award for best receiver. Obviously he fell off that really quickly when he only had 16 receptions this year. Um, I think that the hope for Borgi is that he kind of becomes that pass catching back in a similar role to kind of what Danny Woodhead was to us. Uh, Somebody who isn't really prolific on the ground, but he can do enough on the ground. He can do enough through the air to be like a a pretty decent role player. My question is, with that indecisiveness, uh, how long is it going to take him to actually move up to that kind of role? You know, Danny Woodhead was an undrafted player uh, who just surprised people. Borgi is at least on some people's radar. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's it's interesting to see if he'll be able to kind of duplicate that season he had through the air. Uh, in the end, I, I think that the issue Borgie Borgi is just he's just really slow at reading what's in front of him and making decision and going. I think he's athletic. He's fast. Uh, he's agile, but he's not fluid in any of those motions. Um Honestly, I'm expecting him to kind of go undrafted. Uh, I think he had a lot of hype behind him after that eight catch, six catch season, and then they he was kind of just. It's a weak division. The Pac-12 is not very strong. I, I think you're looking for a lot more from him. Uh, he he was a pretty big sub in and out throughout the year, even though he started the season as the full time starter. Um, they rotated him early and often. So he'll end up catching on on some practice squad somewhere. Maybe somebody takes a flyer in the seventh or sixth round. Um, I was really looking at more from him as I was doing a lot of film studying on on Max Borgi, and I kind of was left unimpressed.
0: Hmm. Well, this last guy is very impressive, Um, and we'll are I'm really impressed with Abram Smith, the running back out of Baylor. Um, to me, this guy's just a gamer, another guy who was just born to play football. And I think he has a really cool story. He actually came to Baylor as a linebacker, used sparingly as a short-term back and a special teams you know, standout. Um, started four games as a redshirt junior at linebacker in 2020. But this past year, he decided to try the running back thing out full-time, uh, and the results were stellar finished with 1,601 yards with a 6.2 yards per carry average added 12 touchdowns and was a big part of the Baylor Bears team success which actually had the best season in program history when 11 and 2 in the regular season got an invite to the Sugar Bowl where they beat Ole Miss and Smith just tore up the Rebels defense to the tune of 172 rushing yards in his last performance Um, And because he is a late bloomer, he's definitely a guy I think will be around day three if he does get drafted. Um, But with his versatility, like I said, he is a pure football player. I like adding a guy like Smith, uh, especially in the later rounds, because he obviously brings tremendous special teams upside. But as a runner, he plays just like an old school, you know, Brian Urlacher linebacker. Someone who once the ball is snapped, all he wants to do is hear those pads pop and he's looking to deliver shots. Uh, He runs with a very wide base. There's a reason why he broke so many tackles this last season, and he absorbs contact extremely well. He's always looking for extra yards, and he knows how to churn those out. He has decent vision, average elusiveness. The speed's not there, but at the end of the day, the guy is a bruiser, and he's looking to deliver punishment. I think his skill set would be awesome to pair with a guy like Austin Neckler.
1: So my last player I'm going to talk about is Kennedy Brooks, running back out of Oklahoma. I was actually really, really impressed watching his film. and Of all the running backs that I could see the Chargers taking, I think Kennedy Brooks makes a lot of sense because I feel like this is going to be a talent that falls down the draft boards. Now, he's going to be a much, much older back than your typical running back. He's going to be 24 years old this season. I think he's 24 in, like, April, like, next month or, or the month after next. So he's an older guy. A lot of running backs are already signing their second contract by then. Uh, what I, I came away impressed with Brooks with specifically, so as a true freshman, he came into the Oklahoma program with TJ Pleasure, with Trey Sermon already there. He was there with uh, Kyler Murray, and in his first season, uh, sorry, he took a redshirt season, Uh, In 2017, so 2018 was like his first official season, with a a TJ Pledger who you know was the fifth ranked um, running back, high school running back, right? And he came in, competed with him. He beat out TJ Pledger, and he ended up having ten thousand, a thousand fifty six yards, twelve touchdowns overall, and he split uh, carries with Trey Sermon, who ended up having fifty. More carries than him, but a hundred less yards, which is just insane. Wow. Like that's insane as a freshman. He has had over a thousand yards rushing in every season he played. He did opt out in 2019 due to COVID. Uh, but overall, like just watching his film and watching who he competed with, by the way, Romador Stevenson, who's played exceptionally well for the Patriots last year. Um, he beat him out on the depth chart. Uh, just overall, like he's a very patient back. He kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Jonathan Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor isn't kind of your fast type of guy. He's, he's your slow, watch it develop, and then just go. Um, and he's he's got some bruiser in him. He's got some speed in him. He's not by any means the most athletic player. He just seems like he's a smart player who knows what to get, when to get it, and how to get it. And he knows what plays are there. Um I I really really like him at in cuz I think he's going to drop pretty late cuz I think a lot of teams are going to look at him at his age and they're going to be like hey you know by the time this guy's ready to sign a new contract he's going to be 28 years old and to mm-hmm. me knowing that you know a lot of running backs don't get second contracts that's a kind of a good thing getting get, signing him it's not we don't have to sign him again until he's like 28 years old we're gonna get him through his prime on a rookie contract, which is phenomenal value to, to me. And especially if we end up getting him with a fourth or fifth round pick. Um, super productive there at Oklahoma. I mean, he's played in big games. I mean, you think about the the national championship playoffs that Oklahoma has been in. He's played with Kyler Murray, he's played with Jalen Hurts, he's played with this new kid that they have now. Um I, I really, really like everything that I saw from him. And of all the players that I have talked about, I think this guy makes the most sense because he offers you a different skill set than Austin Eckler. He offers you a different skill set than, and he's actually much better at the issues that you have with Joshua Kelly, which is the patience, which is the vision, right? Um, he, he, I just think he's a very smart, instinctual player, and you can't teach instincts. And if you're looking for value for a running back in the draft, I think this is where you're going to get it. So I want to know, of, of the players that you spoke about on your, your five, which of mm-hmm. those players do you think makes the most sense to the Chargers and which round and why?
0: So to me, I think, I really think we have a lot of issues right now with with some holes on the roster for me i'm really looking i think we have a lot of holes on the roster so i don't really want to draft a running back until at the earliest fifth round um and the guys i'm looking at on day three are tyler algier from byu and abram smith because they are to the heart pure power running backs um, and I didn't even mention it about Algier. He was a two-way player in high school, played linebacker. So they are both come from that linebacker pedigree where they just want to knock people down. Um, and I really think that that is that physical player is what this running back room is missing. Something that I was really excited about Roundtree, excited for Joshua Kelly, some guy that I could just need one yard, I know he's going to get me two. I think Algier and Abraham Smith, Give me that. And then they're also plus um, special teams guys. Done it throughout their career. And especially if you're going to pick a guy in the fifth, sixth round who's not going to play a whole lot of maybe premier snaps on the offensive side, you need to have some versatility. And that's kind of – those are the two guys that I'm leaning towards just because I want a bruiser, man. I want someone to punch someone in the mouth. And both of these guys, when I'm looking at their tape, uh, do it phenomenally well.
1: You know, everybody talks about how you can find running backs late in the draft. You can find running backs late in the draft. But I've been actually doing a lot of research on, on running backs in the draft and kind of the sweet spot and where you, where you want to end up getting them, right? And if you take a look, like your your high-end backs, right? Your, your your Those guys that go in the first round might be a little too expensive knowing that you've got an Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. But the sweet spot is really rounds two and three. Like if you want a – a running back who's going to give you a, a, a significant breather, one that you can trust, you have to go and get them high because those backs in rounds five through seven, they're not playing. For instance, 2019, no. right, you have Reichwell Armstead, you have Quadri Allison, you have Jordan Scarlett, Travion Williams, Ty Rodney Anderson, Darwin Thompson. Like these are not guys that you want to go and pick up and be your RB2. Who you want to be your RB2, guys you would feel comfortable with, Miles Sanders, Daryl Henderson, David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, Damian Harris, Alexander Madison. Those are the guys that you want to be Hmm. so like if you need a a a good number two back, you have to go and get them high. Let's take a look at 2020, for instance, right? So 2020, your your rounds five. Through seven, you've got Jason Huntley. We'll just go four through seven. Joshua Kelly, Michael P. Ryan, Anthony McFarlane, DJ Dallas, Jason Huntley, NO Benjamin, Raymond Calais, Malcolm Perry. Like these are not backs that you are trusting to be your RB2. The backs you're trusting is DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, AJ Dillon, Antonio Gibson, Keyshawn Vaughn. Zach Moss, Darian Evans, like most of those guys are RB2s, all those guys taken by the third round. If you want to go even back further, like you, everyone looks at, you know, Justin Jackson developing into an RB2 draft in the seventh round. He offered a lot of upside as as nearly undrafted player. But like if you really want a good running mate, you have to go and find them a little bit earlier in the draft you're risking the fact that those backs often get injured, right? Not a lot of running backs make it into their later part of their, you know, their, their second contract, right? The, the injury bug is something that you have to deal with, but if you want a good skill position pair, you have to go get them early.
0: Well, and I totally agree with that sentiment. My whole thing is with looking at the free agents that are entering the running back market this year, for me, for the true running back two that we have been missing, I would prefer to go grab them in free agency. I always like the proven commodity because also we don't need a Jonathan Taylor we don't need you know we don't need a Jonathan Taylor who's an elite number one running back to press Eckler for for carries just a guy to that we can trust to give him some breathers. so I'd much rather get that guy in free agency. The reason I want to go Algier or Abram Smith in the later rounds, I think we have some legit starters we need to go and add through the first four rounds. Um, I don't really want to get a running back two um, through this draft. I-, I think there are some definitely some guys that I'd be very happy with taking in the second to third round. I just think... There's also some very good cornerbacks in that round that I would really like. There's some very really good edge prospects in, the, in that zone that I really like. So for me, it's just the, just looking at the rest of the Chargers' needs. The free agency group on top of it makes it very, very tough for me to spend anything before a third-round pick on running back, especially since we just saw this premier a uh, year from Austin Eckler. I, I was saying it all last off season. I thought that this was going to be the season he established himself as one of the best backs in the league. He finished as the number three guy in all purpose yards and s- tied Jonathan Taylor with in, in touchdown. So I, I think he's there. Um, I don't really need another elite guy, just uh, someone I can trust. And I'd rather get that in free agency over taking a flyer on a, a you know, a draft pick.
1: I don't know, man. I feel like, Austin Eckler is 26 years old right now. Uh, I think, you know, in two years when his contract is up, um, are we really looking at Austin Eckler being an RB1 our, our again, or are we seeing him resorting back to a role player? Because, I mean, 30 is that, that year where running back production really drops off. Drafting a running back now that's got a lot of talent, who can develop more slowly, develop behind Austin Eckler, it gives you the ability to not have to go into this knowing that Austin Eckler is your RB1, especially because Austin took a ton of hits last season, and yeah. we need to get him give him a reliable running mate. And it makes a lot of sense to go and get a young guy and then put Austin Eckler in the best role for longevity, which is mm. the most important thing to me right now, is making sure you know we're we're limiting uh, I really want Austin Eckler to be a, a, a lifelong charger because he has been so fun to watch his story, everything, his his commitment back to the game, his commitment back to the community. Um, but we got to limit some of these hits on him.
0: Well, I, I think the, the, the good thing there is Eckler likes this team. He likes this community, right? He took a discount the first time we signed him. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with, with the Melvin Gordon predicament that we dealt with, but uh, I don't know. He wants, he's a guy who wants to stay here. So that at least trying to keep somebody in a, in a situation they don't want to be in is, is impossible. So at least he wants to be here. Um, I agree with you. I want to see him end his career here. Cause I absolutely love watching the guy play. Um, and for me, I want a super bowl roster on this team tomorrow. Like that's what I want. I want, I, Watching the Super Bowl was so fun. But we beat the AFC Conference champions by 20 points this season in their own building. Like, we are close. I want the I – th- I think we're so close. I just want a Super Bowl roster today because I, I, I could taste it.
1: And I think you can draft a running back and sign a running back and have a one, two, three punch there and I not have that. to worry about it for a while. And I'm okay finding a running back in the third round. I'd even be okay doing it in the second round. It's a little high, right? But at the same time, like knowing that you're getting a a guy like Kyron Williams, knowing that you're getting – and you'll probably get Kyron Williams a little bit later, right? Probably a bad example. But, I mean, there are running backs worthy of a second-round pick in this draft who could well, end and, up being yeah. massive, massive upgrades as an RB2. If you can have two RB1s on your wa- roster, you know, a guy who's like – able to get you the the yards between the tackles, especially with an upgraded offensive line. Um, It it opens up so much of your offense because then you're forcing, you know, one-on-one matchups on, on, for your receivers. Like having a a second running back isn't just about the run game. It really does open up the passing game because you're, you're forcing, like, why do you think Ryan Tannehill has been so good as a quarterback? (laughs) right and and AJ Brown has had such tremendous success because teams are loading the box because they know Derrick Henry's right there but they also know they got Darian Evans right behind him it really really opens up the passing game when you force one-on-one matchups on the outside and you're it really it opens up your offense so much cuz you can run screens you can run these little wheel routes. You can put, you know, uh, uh, split a running back out r- wide and get him matched up with a linebacker, which I'll take with Austin Eckler all day. Because when you see a linebacker run outside like that and you run a streak, you know that linebacker is not going to keep up. So I, I really like the idea of taking a running back early. We haven't done it since Melvin Gordon. It's not something that we typically would like to do too often. But if the, if there's a good enough back there and you see a role for him in this offense, go get your guy.
0: Well, and out of the, you know, the considered, out of the potential RB1 prospects, and I'm talking Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller, the guys that are definitely going to be gone after the second round, out, who do you prefer for the Chargers um, out of those three?
1: Out of those three... Uh, it's hard to say because those are going to
0: be your early flyer guys. I think I think those are all three of those guys. In my opinion, will be gone by the sec- by the end of the second round.
1: So the first back from Michigan State, uh, I did get a chance to watch a lot of his film. Uh, I know that we kind of broke down, you know, five different players each, but I, I had a chance to review him. I think he is the most NFL ready. Uh, yeah. He's built like a tank, dude. This guy looks big and strong. And he offers you a little bit of a different skill set than Austin Eckler kind of, he's, he's a bruiser, man. Like he's a strong, strong back. Uh He's a little shifty enough to like, he's kind of a do it all back. I feel like he's the most NFL ready because he's got traits that every other running back has. And I think he's the best uh back in this class. And he's a guy that can take over as your RB one and move Austin Eckler in the future uh into more of a role player as a player that, that, becomes that matchup problem now don't get me wrong i expect austin eckler to be that rb1 for the next couple of seasons but you know when when it gets time to move him back to that darren sproles type of role in a few seasons from now you won't see any drop off from austin eckler's production
0: i I, i'm right there with you i think kenneth walker Just because he offers you a little bit of everything, he could get it done different ways. He's elusive. He has up, you know, plus surprisingly, plus speed for a guy his size. He runs through people as a running back, especially. You need versatility, and that guy has it in spades. Out of those three guys, I would not be wrong or not be mad at all if we talk Kenneth. If we took Kenneth Walker in the second round, that would just be elite. Especially if we were talking about longevity of the chargers running back position he'd be premier um and not very in a very short span of time in my opinion
1: yeah like he's so good at everything he does uh he reminds me of a, a young uh, frank gore like he's got kind of oh, that really? size and that build as like a you frank gore quicker though Much quicker. But, you know, Frank Gore, when he was younger, he was quick, dude. That's
0: I saw 20 years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you (laughs) look at Frank Gore with the 49ers, like, you know, 27, 28, when he went through through the Super Bowl run the first time. I mean, Frank Gore was a beast and he would size up defenders. He'd run through defenders. He was a smart guy. Um, it wasn't until his later years. I mean, you're looking at Frank Gore over the last five seasons, and he's over 30 years old. He wasn't that fast guy. His game changed. But if you look at him as like a you know a, a 23, 24, 25 year old back, that's Kenneth Walker. Maybe not quite as developed, like like there is no consensus RB1 in this class. No, there's three guys that are kind of at the top there. You've got this middle, third, and fourth round that I think there's going to be a lot of backs that fit inside that kind of area there. Um, and I feel like you can find your RB2 in the third or fourth round this season. Um, but if you really want an RB1 that's going to, to be your RB2, you can get those three guys, and all of them are phenomenal. The only thing that scares that. me about the Texas a player that I, I covered a few minutes ago, um, can't think of his name off the top of my head. Uh, Spiller. Spiller is he, he? He's too much like Melvin Gordon, and I'm having flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having flashbacks of the fumbles, um, just the oddities there. But I, I feel like that's a good compliment for Austin Eckler because we don't. We're trying to find that power back. We really, really mm-hmm. are. But maybe we don't need it in this offense. Maybe you know, having a, another Austin Eckler type player would just be thunder and lightning there it's just it's very similar i feel like we don't need one i I
0: do i actually do think we need one and it doesn't need to be an rb2 but a guy that i know will get me one yard and a half and i'm thinking your offensive
1: line determines that though if you have a good enough offensive line you don't need a power back yeah one of the best power backs ever was ladanian tomlinson And he just went up and over the pile like he didn't need he didn't need it. Like he had the offensive line in front of him that gave him push. Look, if you don't have the offensive line to give you the push, your power is irrelevant.
0: And now I'm thinking about it. Eckler's really good in that situation, not because he's plowing people over, but because he gets lost behind his offensive line. He's very good at getting low and and just getting hiding himself. So
1: you need a power back to make up for issues. You need a power back to cover up the issues of the offensive line. You do not need a power back to give you the yards. You need the offensive line to give you the yards. You need the power back to make up for that. And we don't need to make up for that if we fix that issue on the offensive line. Left side, we already have it. We know Matt Filer, one of the best run blockers of all of last season. Corey Lindsley, all pro. Rashawn Slater, I mean, sky's the limit. Right, you need a right guard and you need a right tackle, and you need a back who can play behind that line. He doesn't need to be a power back, he just needs to be a good enough back to see the hole hit it or get up in between whatever gap he needs to to get that first down. You don't need a power back to do that. You just need a guy who's smart and instinctual enough to get there.
0: Fair point. All right. I think I'm I'm on I'm on I'm on your side. You got one believer
1: today. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next week, I think we're going to start covering some wide receivers. I know that the, uh, the scouting combine is in like two or three weeks, so we'll uh, we'll do uh, a recap of the wide receivers, and then we'll we'll really talk about some of the combine traits um, and what kind of we're expecting to come out of that combine. What things that we're looking for, uh, issues that may arise from some of these players. I, I I think we have a lot of research still left to do. Um, as we get closer to free agency, we'll start breaking down, you know, kind of once we know who's actually hitting free agency, who's getting resigned and we'll, we'll give a good episode on a, a whole free agency, um, preview and then a, a recap because within that first week, you know, exactly who you got. So I feel like that's a good way to, to break these down.
0: Yeah. But we are so close to getting some really, really exciting news here in Charger you know, charger land. So I I can't, I'm so excited for this off season. I, I've been, since we lost that game in the Raiders, uh, I've, I've been waiting for the combine to start. It's here. Um, it's a very exciting time,
1: um, for a football fan. So should be a fun ride. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, leave a a review, uh, give us a a five-star rating. Um, and we'll talk to you guys later.